0: This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 406. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, and co-host today, Graybeard himself, as you (laughs) have now been... Officially crowned uh, by uh, David, one of our loyal <laughs> listeners.
1: Yeah, I'm glad to be back. You guys had a had a good show uh, Tuesday. That was good. Yeah, I like those DG stories. A lot of crazy Dude,
0: stuff. Now, there was a lot going on that day. There was a lot that's happened the last month too. Yeah, you know, and so much of it too. Like I, I think I made the comment in, in Tuesday's episode that uh, in, in regards to that uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma shooting. You know, where the guy basically stopped uh, a mass shooting. Sure. Or, you yeah. know, p- potentially it definitely had the potential to turn into that. I mean, it sounded like there were multiple people out in front of this this business, and this lady just starts lighting everything up, and uh, miraculously, apparently nobody else is hit—at least that I s- could see in the reporting. But you know, this guy concealed still carry her, steps right up, and puts an end to it. And and I just like—I didn't even hear about this. Yeah. You know. Right. Until just, I think the day, I think Monday is when I first heard that story, and by that point, it was already a week plus old. Mm-hmm. Crazy. We're just all so focused on this coronavirus. I about yeah. made a. I don't want to. I don't mean to make a joke about something that probably we shouldn't joke about. So, I had to catch myself there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I I do find that there's some humor, and and I like to find the humor in life sometimes. You know. Crazy things happening these days, and gotta keep it light. But uh, I'll be profesh for the episode today. Now, today's episode, we are talking about how pro UFC fighter Anthony Smith had to fight for his life and the life of his family uh, on uh, Sunday morning. This last Sunday morning, he had a break in in his home, and he like it was a hand to hand all out brawl uh, between him and this uh, this guy a very compelling story. The interview was done with uh, ESPN MMA. I never even knew that channel existed (laughs) on YouTube. (laughs) So you can go find it. uh, And we'll make sure in the show notes today that uh, we get the link for that uh, posted as well. So folks can go and and watch that interview for yourself. It's about a half hour long. um, You know, so you may not want to or care to listen to all that. But uh, of course, people listen to you and I drone on for an hour. So maybe maybe a... Maybe our listeners will surprise me, but that's uh, painful. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll make sure you, uh, in the published episode, we, we put the link for that uh, YouTube interview. And very, very, very compelling story with tons of lessons to be learned. Even though I'm sure that wasn't approached from a concealed carry perspective at all, there's just so much great applicability to what we do here, uh, the analysis that we do. I mean, this is essentially a justified save story minus the gun. Mm -hmm. So we're going to get into that. But today's episode is brought to you by, and it's very timely, Complete Home Defense, our video training course about complete home defense. You know, when we were coming up with the title for that course, it was like, what do we call it? Well, it was about home defense. And we did try to make it pretty comprehensive. I mean, looking back at it now, there's probably a, f- a few things here and there. I would maybe add to it a little bit more or, or do a little bit differently, but it's pretty complete. So we just decided to call it the Complete Home Defense course. Check it out at concealedcarry.com forward slash CHD. If you wanna learn more about how to uh, prepare your home, I mean, there's, there's sections in there talking about the physical security of your home itself. Uh, talking about safe rooms, talking about staging of firearms, having things uh, at the ready. That's going to come into play in this story uh, that we're going to cover today. Um, you know, And then, of course, the actual defense part of it and some of the tactics involved and, and things like that. So eight hours of content in a three DVD set. If you choose to order the physical DVDs, you can get online only streaming as well. You can also get online streaming and the DVDs all together in one package. Check it out again, concealedcarry.com forward slash CHD. So, Anthony Smith, um, I'll kind of start, I'll kick it off here with a, a brief summary of the story and you you fill in any gaps I miss. So I think that it's important that we kind of get the gist of the story out uh, and then we could start breaking it down. And looking for these lessons to be learned, which like I said, I think there are many and uh, you and I were talking before the show began. And yeah, there's just there's there's a lot of meat to this whole thing. Basically, you have a pro UFC fighter. I mean, if you if you're in the UFC, you're, you're basically pro, right? Um, ultimate fighting uh, championship Uh, which is an MMA form of fighting mixed martial arts. Uh, You know, you fight in the octagon, right? Or whatever. So uh, I'm not like the biggest follower of the fights and stuff like that. I mean, I I pay some loose attention here and there. I, 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 have a great deal of admiration for people that go into the ring or into the octagon and, you know, just beat the tar out of each other. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it, it takes a great deal of strength, uh, preparedness, mindset. You know, there's, there's a lot that, that goes into into a fight like that. Uh, that, you know, there's, there's carryover to what we do uh, as far as civilian self-defenders, right? Um, but, uh, so here you have uh, Pro Fighter, Anthony Smith. He's uh, he's asleep at home. Um, uh, they're you know they're in bed. Him him and his wife. He's got three kids, three little. I think girls. I think they're all 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 girls. Hmm. Uh, so everybody's asleep, and somebody comes into their home. A oh, man, uh, you know, young young youngish man. I don't remember what age he said he was, but you know, fairly young, twenty uh, something. And the man comes into the home and he's like screaming, you know, yelling. Who knows what he's yelling, but he's just, ah, you know, as he comes into the house. So, you, I mean, you, imagine you wake up to that, right? Like you you jump out of bed, you're like, oh my gosh, what's going on? You know, you just hear all this screaming in your house and and, and it's a voice you don't recognize. You know, it's not, I mean, there's you and your wife and your three little daughters, right? So clearly there's something wrong. So uh, he gets out of bed and he goes uh, and he goes out there basically tackles this guy in his living room and a fight ensues uh, a very very physical fight he doesn't so anthony doesn't have a gun uh, on him or with him he has a gun he owns a gun he has one he carries even concealed uh, i believe he's permitted to do so he talked about uh, how you know he carries concealed and this is in in nebraska uh, but he just he didn't get his gun. And we'll talk about that some more as to maybe some of the why and, and where his gun was and stuff like that. But uh, so no gun. He just this is a physical fight. He's trying to subdue this guy. He's trying to get control of his hands, uh, trying to, you know, just keep this guy from posing a threat to him and his family. Anthony's wife uh, gathers his girls uh, and and they, they basically sequester themselves to the bedroom, uh, which I thought that was really good. And then also his mother in law comes out of where her room is at some point, and she ends up handing him a knife, which he doesn't have to use per se. He doesn't have to like you know cut or stab this guy with the knife, but but he but he has it right there, and I think he said he kind of put it to him. I don't know if he was like holding it against him or what. But uh, police were called and uh, took like eight minutes or something for, for police to arrive, which was pretty quick. Uh, but he just talks about how this is this is a long fight. You know, the just he didn't think. You know, he number one he was surprised at how strong this guy was, this this other this this fighter, right? Uh, and surprised at how long you know was going and didn't. And he wondered if he had the strength and the ability to keep it up until uh, help could arrive. So that's basically the gist of the story. I mean, the, the you know, cops get there, arrest the man. Uh, Anthony is fine; he's not physically harmed uh, too much. Uh, I mean, he, he talked. He's like, I'm not really bruised or you know, bleeding or anything like that. It really sounds like he had the upper hand, but it was it was kind of like it was one of those things where okay, he had the upper hand, but for how long? How long mm-hmm. could he hold out? You know, how 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 much and how for, for how long could he do this? Uh, while this uh, fight was continuing on uh so you know he talks about there's like blood on the walls and stuff so i mean he obviously roughed up uh the home invader but uh uh you know so you know there's that i mean it, it goes to show just how violent this event was but you know fortunately again it uh it all worked out, you know, I mean, he, he lived to see another day and his family's okay. I mean, terrified probably, but everybody's okay. So that's kind of the summary of the story. Was there anything that I missed uh, relevant detail-wise, uh, Matthew?
1: No, I mean, that that's a good good place to start and give people who haven't watched the interview or listened to the interview an idea of kind of what we're talking about. So when we break it down, these different points um, that we, we think we can learn from and bring you guys some insight, um, you know, you'll have some basis of reference.
0: Yep. Yep. Uh, now we have a uh, Mitch, our social media manager, uh, actually commenting in, uh, on the Facebook comments today. And Mitch, I know follows this stuff closely. He, he, he really likes watching the fights. And he says that Anthony Smith's currently ranked number five among light heavyweights. Uh, he weighs in at 205 pounds. So he's a decent sized guy. Uh, and his opponent, this home intruder, he said he weighed about 170 pounds uh, so quite a bit light, lighter, you know. He's got thirty five pounds on this guy, uh, and he just he says uh, several times about how surprised he was, you know, th- the fight and 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 how strong this smaller uh, man was compared to him. And, you know, keep in mind. So number five in the he's basically he's one of the best in the world as a UFC fighter, right? Um,
1: and he's still in camp right now because he's training for a fight right. like in a week, so he's not like out of shape. He's probably his you know his, his peak shape that
0: he could he, be right he's now. actively working out training right now yep that's right getting ready for a fight later this month which is kind of like well I'm not sure if that's gonna get postponed or what depending on how things go so yeah you're exactly right he's actively training right now for a world-class fight right a big fight so um and that's kind of the that's the point, you know, one of the big points. So I think we just tackled that head on right now. Uh, it is not unusual in civilian self-defense situations for there to be some kind of physical altercation. It, you know, in all the stories we covered, we just talked about this, Jacob and I did, in the Tuesday's Justified Saves episode. We, t- we covered all these stories, and there were several in there. Well, and, and some of those I think were... Where the good guys ended up getting shot as well as themselves doling out, you know, some some lead as well. But uh, uh, the point is, is that, you know, physical fights happen. Uh, they really do. Uh, you know, you helped me with some ana- analysis of Justified Safe Stories, a podcast uh, a while back. I need to go and update uh, some of those statistics as well and and finish uh, rounding out some of those numbers. But uh, I think we we pulled out of that about a a 25% of the time where somebody uses a gun in self-defense, there is also some kind of physical altercation as part of that event. A lot of times these start out as home invasion type scenarios where before the individual you know, the homeowner, the, the occupant of this home, this residence can get to their gun or, or get their gun ready or whatever it is that they're in a physical fight first. Yeah, And so, uh, or, but it, there's also plenty of examples too outside of the home where physical altercations uh, occur and then of course they turn deadly. So the point is you may find yourself in some kind of physical fight for your life.
1: I mean, I, what I would what I would add in right there is to say, like, you know, you and I, we we know and we cover this, and a lot of the listeners know that most burglars don't want to confront uh, the homeowner, right? Like, so it, somebody being home is a deterrent for somebody who wants to steal a TV or, you know, whatever whatever they want to steal, right? But for the people that don't care, right, like the people that come in. And uh, don't care if somebody's home. Those are the people that you need to be concerned most about because they're the, the most violent and they're the ones that are often armed or are willing to get into a confrontation or, you know, it, it doesn't dissuade them. So it's like, yeah, it's great that a lot of people, a lot of criminals say, yeah, I don't really want to get in a, in a confrontation with the family, but it's those other ones that don't care. And that's why those people are so much more violent.
0: That's right. Uh so, you now sometimes something that's said by people that they'd say, Well, why would you ever let your threat get that close to you? You know, like that's a failure. If you and people will sometimes point at uh, situational awareness, you know, or, mm-hmm. or whatever, like wow, wow, why would you ever let anybody get so close that it turns physical? Yeah. Well, the reality is, I mean, we can think that all we want. Uh, and, and that is definitely the goal. Like, I, you know, I don't go out in public. And typically allow people to get, that I, you know, have no idea who they are, strangers, uh, get that close to me, right? If someone's invading my personal space, uh, you know, th- th- you, I, I try to take action to keep that from uh, from occurring. Um, but the reality is, in a public human sphere of of interaction there's times where that's not always possible mm-hmm. um and it's also not possible to be 100% totally switched on dialed in fully situational aware all the time it just it's not possible people can say that they are but you know what if i if i if i followed you around for the day i just kind of like as a invisible observer I guarantee you, or even if I followed you around just as somebody stalking you, I'll bet you in in almost every one of our lives, I could find somewhere where you're you're, that you're vulnerable, where you let your guard down just a little bit, because it's just it's pretty much impossible to be that switched on all the time. And if you are that switched on all the time, then you're probably a little bit paranoid and and crazy. All right, so um, that's just the reality of life. You know, sometimes physical. Altercations are going to happen, uh, even when we least expect it. I know that's something that happened here with with Anthony. I was just reviewing part of the video before we got started. And he talks about how like this was about like the worst time this could have happened. You know, like and we'll get into that. It has to do when he was answering questions about uh, his gun and if he had a gun and where his gun was and stuff like that. Like you just. Like Murphy's Law at its finest uh, from this story here, you know, that he, just the one he actually said, like, the one time I don't have that gun by my bedside and this happens. That's that, that's that's how life is. That's how Murphy's Law works. Yeah. You're like the one time you're like, ah, you know, not a big deal that I, you know. Didn't lock my doors or didn't turn on my security system or didn't close my garage door, which that's actually how this intruder got into this, into Anthony's house was he came through apparently an open garage door. Uh, Anthony explained how he thought his wife had closed it. His wife thought she, he had closed it. And, and, you know, just, there was this miscommunication that resulted in a situation where the garage door got left open all night and the, and the door between the house and the garage was clearly not locked. So, uh, even those kind of mistakes happen. Uh, I've done that now, fortunately, interestingly enough, I mean, we're in this kind yeah. of older house, but we don't have a door from our house to our garage, super hugely inconvenient, but. It also comes with the strength that that is not another weak point or a potential weak point for my home for somebody to gain access uh, at least to the home itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, anyway, so so all right. Sorry, I got kind of off the into the into the weeds there a little bit. Bringing it back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what's what's the first lesson that you take take away from this yourself personally, Matthew?
1: Well, it, this is, and I think this is the overarching lesson to learn from this and, in and, and it comes straight from this dude's mouth, right? He's, he's a top class fighter. We already covered. He's, he outweighs this dude by 50 pounds. Uh, he is actively striking this guy and hitting this guy and says he's never, ever had a fight like that in his life. He's never been that scared in his life. And he realized that he was fighting for his life. Now, uh, there's nothing taking away from what UFC fighters do in the ring because, I mean, they they beat each other good, right? And, like, boxers and, and things like that, they hit each other hard. But it's controlled violence. And we have to realize that that's and controlled violence. there's rules. Right, right? And so they know if I get knocked out, somebody's this guy isn't going to you know thrust a knife through my chest right and then go kill my my family um, they know that if they tap out the ga- the the game's over everybody you know is okay um, when if you've never been in a fight for your life like a, a no like a knockdown drag out where it's not a bar fight where there's people pushing and shoving and pulling people apart and, you know, maybe somebody gets a good hit or something like that. And it's over in 30 seconds. I'm talking about a fight, a sustained fight where somebody is willing to do whatever it takes to either get away from you or put you into the ground. Um, you, you, you don't understand. The, it, it's hard, I don't want to say you don't. It's hard to understand the the amount of violence that takes place in a fight. And so, you know, I, I I can I mean I can remember fights that I've been in where they happen really quickly. Uh, as a police officer, you know, it, it happens real quickly and it's violent, but it's over. Um, and some where you know you're fighting, and I'm like, I don't want to hurt this guy. I'm just trying to get cuffs on the dude, but he is you know grabbing at at your gun or grabbing at gear and trying to just pound you into the ground. And it's like um, it, it's those times that you realize. The, the fragility of human life and how quickly you could be the best fighter, the ranked fifth in the world, you know, uh, MMA fighter, but it doesn't matter if this scrappy dude that, you know, 50 pounds lighter than you picks up a, a pen and jams it through your throat, right? It doesn't matter how much training or how many pull-ups or whatever it is, that's going to, that's going to really affect you. And so, it, 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 and there's no rules like you said so i think my big takeaway and i hope like probably what he got out of it you know the incident but better that everybody could learn from that is that you know it, it, it doesn't matter how big and bad you are uh, a fight that is is not sanctioned with rules can go any way at any time. And and you just, you have to do your best to not give up the mindset that, that you have to survive, that you have to do what it takes. So um, mm-hmm. that was my kind of overall arching lesson that I learned from this. Yep. Or, you know, kind of principle.
0: Yeah. yeah you, uh, that's all correct. Uh, you know, the thing with the fight is you want it over as fast as you can. Because time is not your friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it goes, the longer it goes, uh, it's just more opportunities for you to get hurt and uh, time for you to t- get tired out. Um, now, somebody asked here if the intruder was on something. We don't know if he was hopped up on drugs or if he just was uh, mentally unstable. But based on uh, if you watch the interview and he kind of Pay attention to some of the some of the things that come out uh, from uh, what Anthony says about that, and what the guy said, and and some of the things he did. Like he he's not in his right mind, and that could be mm-hmm. because of drugs. It could be because of a mental illness. I mean, it, it, in, in the end, it doesn't really matter because somebody that is uh, extremely frenetic and uh, upset and paranoid and You know, all of that, like, which is basically what's going on here. You have a guy, you have a crazy guy that is coming to your house and is just, is going crazy. He's going nuts on you. So, uh, that is a very, very, very difficult, uh, place to be. I mean, uh, cops have such a difficult job. You You just touched on Matthew, you know, where, where you're, um, submitting somebody, you're arresting them and you know, guys don't want to go quietly, right? Mm-hmm. Putting up a fight—that is—that is a difficult place to be, uh, because you know you're you're trying to balance that. Well, I'm not trying to hurt him, right? Because mm-hmm. I don't want to get I don't want to get you know <laughs> dinged for for abusing this guy. You know, as as a cop, uh, at the same time you got to safely get him secured and and handcuffed and uh, placed in a squad or whatever. So. Um, Cops have a very, very difficult job, you know, and that's the thing, like, I, 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 I'm I going to use this Anthony Smith case as an example at times when I get into these conversations and interactions with people, especially online, where they, they see body cam footage and they question the actions of police, and they'll say, why did he have to do this? Why did he have to do that? Why did they, you know, end up, why did this cop put this guy in a chokehold? You know, stuff like that. Um, you know, that just doesn't seem right. Well, until you've been in a fight, an all-out fight, like you, you really have no place to to criticize or say much about that, because it's not, you know, your fight. This is actually kind of uh, paraphrasing a quote from from Dave Spaulding. Actually, I saw it come up again in a in a Facebook group yesterday. Your fight is not what you want it to be. It is what it is, right? Like what that, what, what, what that's getting at is like, you can think all these things in your head about how you want your fight to go and how you think you're going to do this and you're going to do that. And it's just going to all go, you know, exactly the way you planned. But that, that's, that's not reality. Your fight is what it is. It's not what you want it to be. And if you get stuck in, you know, trying to make it what you want it to be, you're going to make a critical error and you're going to lose that fight. This this goes for a hand to hand fight. It goes for a gunfight. It goes, you know, t- any of these situations. You you don't get to pick and choose your fights. Okay, all right. As a, as a self as a defensive minded person, you don't get to choose. You are only reacting to what what is being done or perpetrated against you. So so you don't have control over this other person. You don't control their agency. They picked that fight. They picked that time. They picked that place. Yeah. now you just have to deal with it. And the dealing with it, that's the ugly part, and you don't always get to, to... It doesn't always work out. In fact, I would say it pretty much never works out perfectly and beautifully, you know, the way you would like it to be, or the way you would envision it to be.
1: Yeah. And, and he even mentions in, in the interview, um, you know, he's like, well, during a fight, you know, I get amped up, I stretch out before the fight, you know, I'm, I'm ready to go, and this time it's it's like game on you're in your underwear or whatever right like you're if you go to find out what's going on in your house and you you're in your underwear that's what you're fighting in and that dude you know it, it, so it, it's kind of you, you go from asleep to you know in a full 100 percent fight in a matter of you know, 30 seconds, 20 seconds. Right. And so yeah. it's, and that person's already ready. Like they know somebody's in this house. If they come out, I'm ready to go. Like, I, I don't care. I'm ready to fight. You know, I just was doing this or that at the next door neighbor's house. I'm ready to go. So they're wet, they're ready. And you're like trying to catch up. And so um, it, it I, it's, it's just like you said, and, and that's a really good quote is, you know, you don't get to choose you know, or it's, it's not what you want it to be. You don't get to choose, you know, the place, the time, what's going to go on. So the rules even.
0: Mm -hmm. Yep. All right. So, um, let's start actually, let's, let's, let's look at the home. Let's look at the kind of the, the envelope, right. Of, of the dwelling. And let's look at some feelings there. All right. So this is, none of this is meant to be, uh, a judgment, you know, on Anthony Smith, uh, I, I, nothing, this is not meant to be armchair quarterbacking, you know, uh, this is meant to just look at the facts as we know them and the situation and go, what can we learn from that? All right. And, and a lot of these are things that Anthony said himself, you know, that, that, <clears throat> Hey, you know, like I know I screwed up or I knew, I know that, you know, we made this mistake and I kind of alluded to one of those. So let's start with that. All right. So let's just get this all out in the open. So, a uh, couple of things. So we have a garage door that's left wide open uh, all night long, and the door from the garage to the house is also not locked. Um, so, and and oh, and then the, the, he had a security system he talked about, and is even like pretty new apparently, uh, but. Wasn't using it, didn't have it turned on, you know, so as the, even as the, I, I presume the garage door was opened or whatever, I mean, depending on where you have all your sensors and things at and how you have them set, but, you know, there might've been a, a, an alarm that may have gone off. I don't know that would have made a big difference in that case once he'd already broken through the physical barrier of the, ex, you know, the envelope of the house, uh, because he says that he pretty much came in and was yelling immediately from coming in. So that was about as as, as much warning as an alarm system would have given you anyway. Um, So, I mean... Those are a couple of things really quick right off the bat. Just looking at physical security of the premises. Uh, we want to make sure, you know, I try to make sure I do this every night. Sometimes, and this is a team effort. My wife sometimes reminds me like, hey, did you check the windows? Did you check the doors? You know, did you check the, the security system? All that stuff. Uh, you know, most of the time I've, I've done my checks, but occasionally I'm tired and I'm getting in bed and she's like, did you do that? Ah, crap, I didn't. There's other times where she'll where she will have done it. but uh, the point is every night I try to make a point to go around, check all the windows, just make sure they're locked, secured. check the doors, make sure they're locked, secured. make sure my security system is is engaged. Uh, you know and so just getting into that habit and that routine, it's so easy. To get comfortable and be like, you know, we live in a kind of quiet neighborhood in Nebraska where nothing bad ever happens. He says that several times in his interview, like nothing like this ever happens in our neighborhood.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Well, you know how many times I've seen that or heard that story uh, from, from the many stories, these justified safe stories we've covered through the years all the time. Nothing like this ever happens in our neighborhood. Well, until it does. Right I used to think that about my neighborhood until we had a crazy incident happen uh, in, in our in fact, we've had a couple of them now. So my neighborhood's turning into uh, I can't say it's uh, <laughs> not a, it's not the quiet neighborhood I once used to think it was. I do think that it's changed a little bit, but uh, won't go into that. but so you see where I'm getting at. So like I think the lesson he learned here is don't assume you live in a quiet, sleepy neighborhood. Don't leave your doors unlocked, right? Do a nightly check, and just make that part of the routine. That's what I would say. Yeah. Amen. So uh, you can add to that, or you can go on to what's what's a what's kind of the next lesson learned from this whole incident?
1: Yeah. So, um, so obviously the exterior security kind of breaks down, right? So they get inside and uh, he says that he has a firearm. He's a concealed carry permit holder. Uh, he carries a firearm with him in a bag. I would assume this is like when he's traveling about because he mentions concealed carry and probably wouldn't mention it if he just leaves it at the home for home defense. But so I assume because it's in a bag, he transports it with him, which is also kind of Interesting because this dude probably could handle himself in a lot of fights if somebody wanted to take his wallet or whatnot, but he finds it necessary to, to carry a firearm with him. And, and I think, you know, that's that's obviously smart because you never know who who you're going to be up against. Right. Or w- what's going to happen. So um, but he. Carries the firearm in 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 a bag. Uh, typically, he says he brings the bag uh, into the into the home with him, puts it by the bedside before he goes to bed. He takes the gun out and puts it on his nightstand, and we'll talk about that later. But um, the, the 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 problem is is he says ninety nine percent of the time I do that. This is the first time that I left the gun in the bag. Now we can speculate on where the bag is if it was next to his bed or was it left in the car or where was it, but suffice to say, he doesn't have access to the gun when he needs it, when he hears somebody screaming in the room or in the house. So he goes and confronts dude without gun, um, which if he had a firearm, who knows if he would have had to shoot the guy or or whatnot, but you have to think that if this attack would have happened, uh, he probably wouldn't have had to fight so much uh, with this dude and thank God he didn't have a knife or a gun or or what not the attacker. So, uh, probably a mistake. And he admits that, you know, it was, I, they caught me slipping, right? Like he just didn't, wasn't, he got too comfortable, too complacent and and left the gun, uh, not, not accessible when he needed it.
0: That's right. Yeah. I think this whole situation would have played out completely differently if he had had access to his gun. Uh, now let's be, let's be straightforward here. How would that have played out? Well, he could have come out with gun and issued commands and made it clear that he was armed. And maybe that would get this guy to leave the house at least, or, or to, uh, you know, quit coming further into the home or whatever. But, you know, I'll tell you what, if the gun had come into the picture at all, there's a much greater probability that I mean, there's a great probability that it could have ended up being fired or needing to be fired. Mm-hmm. So Anthony could actually have a whole different situation to uh, to deal with in the aftermath uh, if he had actually had that gun and had to fire it. So in a way, he's he's almost fortunate to not have to have not had to use a gun. However, uh, having that option would have been far preferable. Certainly, because Anthony had to greatly put himself at risk to have to physically fight with this guy. Um, you don't know what that guy's got on him. You don't know if he has a weapon. Even if you don't see a weapon, he may still have something. You know, So it, it's one thing where if you don't see a weapon on somebody, and so you maybe have a hesitancy of, of using a gun because you're like, well, there's some distance between me and him. I don't see a, a weapon clearly, uh, so I am not going to... F- you know fire my gun yet right that's one thing but when you're right on top of somebody you know you, you don't know what you don't know about what they have or don't have or what their level of preparedness is or or not and and so that can get very ugly for you very fast if that guy's got a knife on him and and, all, and he's able to grab it i mean you could have a dozen knife wounds in you before you realize what's what's happening yeah Right, I mean, once once a somebody starts going to work on you, uh, you know, sewing machine style with a knife like that, that gets ugly real quick, and that 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 fight can change really fast. So, you know, yeah, having that gun would have been my preference, absolutely, and I, and I know that I would have handled that situation very differently. I mean, at the very least, uh, I mean, here, okay, so let's talk about one good thing. He talks about how his wife gathered his uh, his girls. Gathered them into their bedroom, into the master bedroom. It sounded like, uh, told the oldest daughter, you know, hey, you 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 stay here with your sisters. You keep, you know, you make sure nobody leaves. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the the uh, wife was there with them for a time, but then she came out and was sort of like blocking the hallway or or something like that. Um, so it was almost like she, you know she, she was. Making sure, hey, I, I am, you know, I'm going to also be this this kind of secondary fallback that before this guy can get to my children, I, he's going to have to go through me. Um, think how different that, the, the, the tactics involved could have been if Anthony had had his gun, you know, where he could have gotten his wife and the daughters and the mother-in-law and just got everybody barricaded. Into the master bedroom while he guarded the door or, or, you know, took cover and just, you know, guarded that hallway. And, you know, then, then, you know, he's got a a natural choke point where his threat's got to pass through. He's going to have the upper hand. He's got the gun. Um, You know, and he could have kept his distance and kept himself, his wife, his mother in law, the kids, everybody much you know much greater level of separation between th- threat or potential threat and him and his family instead in this situation he had to actually involve himself physically into the situation yeah so it, very different tactics had to be used based on the fact that his gun was unavailable
1: yeah and 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 thank god it, it it you know resolved the way it did because uh he he mentions during the fight he's asking the guy hey are you alone and mm-hmm. the guy says, "No, I'm not alone. There's there, there's somebody else with me." So,
0: and he started um, calling out for like a Luke or something, like, "Hey, yeah. hey, man, come and help me!"
1: Right. So then, what's going this. through your head? <laughs> yeah. Imagine this. Now he's a great fighter. He's, you know, he's fighting. He's saying he can control one person, but imagine that now you say, "Wait a second, I'm putting all my effort into controlling one dude. There's another guy in my home." It, 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 and now they can get to my family, right? It doesn't matter how how good I am with this guy, if there's somebody else, you know. So, um, yep. uh, fortunately, he, you know, it was either a bluff or he's just crazy and was screaming out different names. But
0: the, the dude was crazy.
1: Yeah. So there was actually <laughs> yeah. only one guy. But yeah, this is that that kind of uh, kind of dovetails into what you were saying with uh, with uh, what Dave Spalding said is like you don't get to choose. It's not what you want, right? Like, so we all we all think like, okay, noise in the house. I'm going to go take my gun. It's going to be one dude. And if I have to shoot him, I'll shoot him, whatever. But what if it's not one dude? What if it's two or three or four? You know what I mean? Like, it, all of a sudden that, you know, you have a, a firearm with eight round capacity. What if these guys are armed and they start shooting back at you and, and, and you're hit first before you see? It's just, you know, it. we all have these things that we think are going to play out in our mind. And uh, it's probably not going to be that way. And so whether it's a fight, whether it's a gunfight, it's the same thing. It's just, you're using a gun in the fight and um, it, it normally doesn't play the way, the way you have it conjured up in your mind.
0: Mm-hmm. That's right. So speaking of that potential second or third threat, you know, assuming that there's more than one uh, inv- uh, home intruder, I, uh, which that certainly could have been the case. I mean, boy, that, that would have just made the my skin crawl if I, you know, here I'm barely hanging on, you know, trying to get this guy's arms and hands under control and, and keep him subdued so he can't hurt me. And all of a sudden he starts calling for a friend. Oh, crap. You know, I mean, geez, uh, that 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 gets dicey really quick. Now, at some point, I don't remember the exact timing on on all of this uh, as it relates to... Uh, this intruder calling out for a supposed friend. Uh, but uh, at some point, Anthony's mother-in-law comes out of, I guess, wherever her room is. Mm-hmm. And she, he actually has her retrieve a knife and she gets a knife, I think from the kitchen and hands it to him. Uh, and then apparently from there, she goes outside the thinking there being that they, I guess they live kind of at the end of a road or or they got a long driveway, or something like it was a little bit hard to maybe find the house, and so she thought it was prudent to go out and try to help uh, police uh, be guided to where they needed, you know, needed their help. Uh, I can understand that logic, but again, think well, what if there was a second or a third person involved in this? Mm-hmm. where are they? Maybe they're out front keeping an eye out on things. Maybe that mother-in-law goes outside thinking this, you know, I'm going to go help police find our house. But then she's all of a sudden put herself in jeopardy and harm's way uh, by this second or third assailant that's outside the home or in a different part of the home. Mm-hmm. So there's that factor. That's why it's, it's almost always preferable uh, in, in home invasions to try to, we call it IFDR: isolate the family defend the room uh and actually jacob uh, conjured that term uh, and that's a principle that's a main guiding principle in the complete home defense uh, video course that we talked about earlier as one of today's uh uh sponsors if you will the, of the podcast uh but you know the strategy is is you know do what you can to get the family isolated uh you know, in one place is preferable because it's a lot easier to defend that way. And then, you know, and typically that's going to be in a room that you've designated as a, like a safe room. So you're isolating the family there, you're barricading, and then you're protecting and defending yourself in that, in that safe room or from that safe room. Um, So by having people go elsewhere, including outside, even if it's with the best of intentions, that's a, that's, that, that is always a risky move potentially. All right. Uh, could it cost seconds or minutes in officers finally finding your house if you're not out there to help guide them? It could, but we've got to balance risk with, re- with potential reward here. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure that the juice is worth the squeeze when we don't know the full extent of the situation. So that's that's another great lesson to uh, to look at this situation. Go, hmm, hey, mom, get back and you know, go go to the bedroom. Go to the bedroom. You know, go find the girls. Go find you know my wife, whatever it is. Rather than allowing her to maybe go out uh, out out of that out of the area of the home that you know to be relatively secure, you're you're then going into an unsecured space.
1: Yeah. And to dovetail into, to, uh, the interaction with the mother-in-law, right? So you, you mentioned she brings him a knife during this fight, right? Now it's a hand-to-hand fight. Uh, no other weapons have been, you know, brought out by either party. Um, but the mother brings, mother-in-law brings, uh, uh, uh Anthony a knife. And it's interesting because this is a principle that I, I, I Find, I, I, when I'm speaking to, to like new concealed carriers and things like that, um, and it it just never kind of crossed their mind. So think of, he, Anthony mentions he has the knife and now he realizes that it's much more difficult to fight with one hand because he can't use the, he, he, he doesn't feel it necessary at this point to go ahead and stab this dude, Right. So now what he's done is he's made it much more difficult for him to a control the person and b now there's a knife involved that he may have to fight over or even in the process of trying to hold this guy down and not stab him. He ends up getting cut or stabbed. Right? So it's the Mm -hmm. same principle that when I I'm talking to like new concealed carriers or people that um, haven't thought it through and say, when you draw out your firearm, it has to be, a situation, not le- legally putting that aside. I'm talking about tactically. If you draw that firearm out and you're not prepared to use it, I'm not saying you have to use it, but you're not prepared to use it. And the, the amount of force that you need to use isn't justified with a firearm. And that person still wants to to fight you. Now, what are you going to do? Are you going to shoot an unarmed person and say, well, I feared for my life because he kept... Approaching me after I pointed a firearm at him—that's probably not a good legal justification. And secondly, secondly, it's not a good tactical position because now you're fighting with a gun in your hand, and so you either have to reholster that gun and go, you know, fight with two hands, or you're going to fight with one hand and it's you're at a great disadvantage. So I think, you know, we always think if we have a, a, a weapon, whether it's a gun or a knife or a bat or whatever, that we're better off and. Certain situations, of course, that's true. But if the the, the amount of force that that tool is capable and in, of inflicting isn't what you're, you know, you're ready to use against that person, then that's a, a major disadvantage. Um, and so I thought that that was really interesting that he pointed that out and he said, "Hey, I realize that now I have this knife and I can't control the dude because I only have one hand." Um, so
0: yeah, it, it's a very valid point where if you have that in your hand and you, and you're not, you don't have the intent of using it, then yeah, absolutely. It, uh, and he actually talks about how he set it down or, or tossed it aside for, mm-hmm. for part of the fight, uh, because he's like, crap, I, I, am losing you know, control of this guy. Uh, so you didn't need to use that tool or, or put that tool away. Now let's be clear. Legally speaking, uh, in most states including i think nebraska even there's a pretty strong precedent that when you have i mean this this guy has broken into your home this is a home invasion and uh whether this guy initiated the fight or not in the site inside the home at, at this point this is a physical fight this guy is you know posing a threat to uh, bodily threat to anthony at this point i mean there's there's i i wouldn't i wouldn't be questioning him if he decided to use deadly force right absolutely not but he didn't feel like he wanted to or needed to or was ready to uh and you know that's that's his decision okay exactly Uh, some of you listening would be like well that's not how i would have handled it well that that you're not him this is how he decided to use it all right so there's there's legally what you may or can do and there's morally or whatever your values are based on, you know, there's that, that moral component, uh, where we all have to be able to live with ourselves at the end of the day. And, and for every person, that's going to be a little bit different. Where we get in trouble is where those values or those morals are not consistent as far as like they, they, uh, if we, f- if we follow those morals or those values, we violate law. That's a problem. Um, but, uh, You know, keep in mind that, you know, the perspective of someone like Anthony Smith, I mean, he knows that he's fairly capable as a fighter, you know, being one of the best in the world. And in certain circumstances, in certain cases, that could certainly, I mean, and that would come into play if for whatever reason he crossed some line or there was, uh, or investigators felt there was a line crossed, so they decided to investigate, pursue charges potentially, you know, try to take him to court. Um, you know, that absolutely would have been a part of, of a, of a, of a case involving him that, Hey, you are a very skilled fighter. You're, and you're very physically strong. You're very physically fit. You're at the peak of your condition at this time as you're training for a, for an actual fight and everything, you know? So, so you know his perspective. Just, just to put this all in context, what I'm trying to get at is his what's what his perspective is is not necessarily what mine or Matthews or somebody else's uh, would be. And so we got to recognize that fact. Whether it's based in in law or not is is really irrelevant at this point. I mean, what's happened has happened. Uh, but from a tactical side of things, introducing the knife into the equation, I think was. Probably, especially where he was not intending yet on using it, I think was probably not the best uh, move, uh, because it, it it again made made it so that he couldn't control that guy uh, as as well. It meant that there was a possibility now of his adversary gaining control of that knife. I, I was particularly kind of concerned when I, when I realized, you know, listening to his interview and he talks about putting down or kind of tossing aside the knife and I'm like, oh, that's an unsecured weapon now at this point. If he really loses control of this guy, that guy could get that that weapon and, and use it against him. You know, so it's just introducing, introducing the knife into the equation at that moment was probably not the best tactical plan. I think he understood that uh, looking back, you know, and, and analyzing everything himself. So it's it's another one of those things, it's it's, it's a great sort of data point for us uh, as outsiders looking in and analyzing this to go, hmm, that's, that's a good thing to consider. You know, if you're going to have that weapon and you're not ready to put it into use, then that weapon poses not only a threat against your adversary, but a threat potentially against you so good lesson learned
1: and if i could just interject one thing while we're on this topic and kind of tie it into like the concealed carriers who are listening and stuff like this um i we often talk about carrying a backup people carrying a backup gun or a secondary like a a secondary weapon like a a a knife or something right um now you you possibly if you get into a knockdown drag out fight with somebody you possibly could protect that one firearm right? Uh, Whether, whether you carried appendix or strong side hip or wherever. Now, if you are in a knockdown drag out fight with somebody and you have an ankle holster and uh, a a firearm that you're carrying on your, on your waist, uh, if, if that person gets around your, your ankle, right? And you're protecting the, the gun that's around your waist, or you haven't gotten to it yet now the the opportunity for a gun to to go, get into their hands is there or a knife so just when you start thinking about carrying a backup gun Remember, it can't just be. Well, this is just an extra thing that I carry. It has to be something that is well thought out and that you can defend against a gun grab uh, or, or or whatnot. Right mm-hmm. in, in the way you carry it, I, I just think that it's important because while we're on this topic, you know, um, I, I've seen guns come out of ankle holsters during fights with police officers, and Absolutely. all of a sudden, you know, there's a gun that's in the mix that's unsecure, and you know, it, it's for your backup, but now it's not it's now it's free for all for whoever can grab it first.
0: For every weapon that you carry, not only do you need to have a plan for how to use it, but also how to protect it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. I mean, talk about retention. So often we, we spend time talking about retention of of our primary gun that we carry on ourselves. But yeah, if you are carrying a backup or a knife, all that stuff, it all comes into the, into the equation of things that we have to have a plan for using it and a plan for preventing its use against us as well. Good, good observation there. Um, let's talk some more about this gun that he is an owner of. Uh, you talked earlier about how he transports it in a bag. Uh, he, he just says that in the interview that uh, he's asked, you know, where was your gun? And he's like, well, it's in my bag, a, a bag that I carry with me. So it does sound like that his preferred Method of carry is off body. That that's kind of the norm. That he has a gun. That we and we don't know what the gun is. That's that's also irrelevant. But that he has a gun that he carries for personal defense, and it goes to and fro with him in in some sort of bag, whether it's a backpack or computer bag, laptop bag, whatever. Some some sort of bag. And it sounds like the normal routine is that you know I imagine that he's he's got some gym that he's going to and training at, you know, he's a very high level fighter. So traveling someplace and then coming back with that in the bag and and taking inside the house and sounds like it goes next to the bed. And then at night it comes out of the bag and goes onto the nightstand. All right. So uh, whether Anthony or not carried this gun in a holster on a day-to-day basis is irrelevant because this is in the middle of the night and he's in bed and he's not wearing a gun in a holster. But what I am going to point out is that, uh, you know, had this been even a situation that occurred during daylight hours, he still, you know, he may have found himself in a situation where that gun was not readily accessible uh, in, in the home or out of the home. And so that's always one of the downsides and, and potential risks uh of you know as far as not being able to be effective with that tool if you're carrying off the body cuz it's not as readily accessible it's not as fast it's not as smooth it's not as predictable as simply going to your waistband and grasping your gun that you know is always there and is consistently in the same location all the time so that's another great lesson learned just you know the the dangers of off body carry but here's another less obvious one and and I know I've talked about it but but I don't think this is one that a lot of people think about that that much. And the less obvious lesson here to be learned is that the tendency when carrying when transporting and carrying a gun off our body, so in a bag typically as that's the most common uh, method for off body carry, the tendency is to become a little bit more relaxed, in the security of that gun, and to uh, t- to not take steps to make sure it's always accessible and always ready to be put into use. So we recognize that Anthony's a father of three children, and they're all under the age of seven or eight years old. Uh, these are little kids, and I'm sorry, but but having a gun unsecured for any amount of time in a bag. Uh, something that's not locked something that's not you know on your person at all times which clearly it, it's become a habit where it's not always right beside him I mean if it's if, it, if he was in bed asleep when this all happened and the gun was not in the bag next to the bed like he said it almost always is then where is it right now th- there may be a perfectly good uh, explanation for that it could have been in his vehicle but don't forget, the vehicle or the garage was left open. So, I mean, what if this guy came in, started... Actually, we know from other uh, statements made by Anthony in his interview that this guy had wandered the neighborhood and had made his way. He actually had gone into somebody else's home, and that somebody else had scared them this individual out of their home. And he then continued... And I imagine cops had already, you know, I think cops actually probably responded fairly quickly, and probably because they were already on their way to that neighborhood because there was there was other break-ins that had occurred, and we know that that this guy had also gone into and 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 uh, through other people's vehicles. So again, I have, I asked the question: where was that bag and where was that gun? It wasn't next to his bed, so it was somewhere, and this guy could have found that gun. And now we're talking about a huge tactical problem. Now we're talking about bad guy in-house with a gun, your gun, and you don't have anything to defend yourself with. Mm-hmm.
1: Potentially. And, and not to say that that's where the gun was, but just hypothetically speaking, and, and you know, as a tactical uh, consideration, think about those types of things because... Um, you know, it's just another reason we think about, well, I don't leave the gun in the car because I don't want somebody to steal it. Well, that's true. But you also don't know if somebody's going to break into your car, find a gun and say, well, now I have a gun. And I might as well go inside and tie these people up and find out what they have. Right. So. Totally. Yep.
0: So, I mean, if, if Anthony was listening to this and I doubt he would be, but uh, if he if he were again, we're not here to judge him uh, or criticize him uh, at least too harshly. But I, I would uh, ask him to give it give some serious thought now, and I think he probably has thought about many things. Whether he's thought about this particular thing or not, I don't know. But as it relates to the safety of his children, uh, it is not asking a lot to uh, keep that gun secured on your person throughout the day. If if it's not going to be secured in a safe, or you know, my preference for Quick access is a quick access vault, a little handgun vault. There's so many good ones these days uh, that serve the purpose at least that are quick access. You can keep that gun ready, staged, uh right there beside your bed, or in other areas of the home. You can have multiple even staged um, that are still very quick access, but will keep it secured. In, in as far as you know, those two and three and seven and you know ten year olds are even concerned, you know, so uh, that that should be taken. That there should be some serious thought given to how Anthony is carrying, transporting, and storing and staging his firearm. Absolutely. Um, so. You know, I mean, my preference would be to see and this is just this is a best practices type approach, right? OK, so again, not meant to be a criticism, but just this would be ideal if Anthony kept that gun on his person throughout the day and then all other times put away that gun in a quick access vault next to his bed. And then if he's concerned about. Having something at the ready somewhere else in the home, then get a second gun and have some other quick access, you know, secure uh, storage or or staging uh, solution for that purpose as well. If he doesn't want to carry it on his person while he's just you know bumming around his house throughout the day, right? I, I wake up, I get dressed, I put the gun on. I'm not going anywhere, you know. Throughout the day, a lot of times at home, especially these days, I'm carrying all day long lounging around at home i mean lounging well i typically get up and throw on a pair of jeans and a t-shirt or this type of shirt you know (laughs) whatever like that's that's my normal dress almost every day i'm not in sweatpants and whatever you know (laughs) sweatpants and wife beaters (laughs) that's not my normal uh you know occasionally i dress down right uh and uh you know, a pocket holster with a 380 or something. If I got, you know, short of the pocket, that that's, you know. But I'll still. There's rarely a moment I'm not armed on my person, inside my own home, even even when I'm relaxing. Um, I don't, you know, call it par- paranoid. Well, I don't care. I, I call it being prepared, and because I I've read enough of these kind of situations to know that crap happens when you least expect it on your least prepared day, uh, when you're like least prepared. And so I try to make sure I'm at least remotely prepared.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, and it's tough. We talked about mindset and, you know, situational awareness and all that. But, you know, truthfully, when you get in your home, that's one of the places you should be able to kind of dial it back, you know, and be play with your kids and not, you know, go to sleep and and not. Uh, be so vigilant, right? We, I mean, we have to have vigilance, but not be over hyper vigilant when you're in your home. That's one of the, you know, your security sanctuary places, right? So, um, it, it's a, it's a balancing act. But yeah, it, it, you're you're absolutely right. It does. It, one one common thread when we see interviews with people that have been involved in these types of situations is always like i this was like the one day that I didn't do this or this is the one day that i you know i decided to do this and I never do that but I did and I went this way instead of this way or whatever and it just seems to be that's that's how it was meant to be for that day. And and so you just try to do your best uh, and be consistent with whatever, with whatever process that you, you implement in your life.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. That's right. Um, there's probably other things we could pull out of this, but I think there's, there's some big key takeaways. Number one, secure the home and the envelope of the home and make sure that, uh, you do a nightly check and that you're, you're prepared. You know, part of going to bed is, is I think, you know, that, that is one of our, uh, weakest potential times or least prepared times, a time where, you know, nobody can be awake 24 hours a day. Nobody truly sleeps with one eye open, even if they say they do. Uh, the brain has to shut down at some point, you know, so, so part of going to bed is being prepared to go to bed, and that means, I think anyway, that you do a quick check. You make sure the house is secured. Number two, uh, having a gun uh, properly stored and staged, whatever you know fits the bill for you in that regard, as, you know, as long as we're protecting the safety of, of any young ones that might be in the environment, uh, because that would have made solving this dilemma for Anthony and his family a lot simpler three having a good plan for your household and your family that in the event something like this were to occur what steps you take your partner takes your children take uh, all of that stuff so having that that as a plan now the 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 Smith family actually did pretty well uh, considering the circumstances yeah. you know so that that was that was really well done for the most part uh, number four considering not going out in search of a even a suspected intruder, all right. So he he did go out. He did confront this individual and and tackle him in, in this fight ensued. But I'm talking even with regards to the mother-in-law going outside the home to assist l- responding law enforcement. I would say in most circumstances stay put stay isolated stay you know in that safe room uh, where you know the variables can be much greater controlled uh, and and you gotta force the bad guy to come to you where you you control more of of that uh, the factors involved okay Um, of course that becomes so much easier to do when you actually have that firearm uh, ready and and able to be put into use um, should it be required but really you know, so often we see people even with their guns, you know, so they've got the gun, they're ready for use. And then they go out and search for that bad guy. They go search in the house, clearing rooms and stuff. Uh, there's exceptions to every circumstance, but I would always advise caution in going out to deal with a problem. Let the problem come to you, uh, unless it's not an option. All right. Um, what else do we talk about there, there, there? That's four things I just listed off. I feel like there was probably one other big takeaway. Uh, well, physical fights, you know, most of us probably are not honestly all that well prepared for it. Uh, so if we can avoid that in the first place, that's probably the, the best, the best thing for most of us. Uh, I, I, I doubt anybody in our audience is as well-trained or as capable as somebody like Anthony Smith. So recognize if, for whatever reason you end up in a physical altercation, you need to solve that problem ASAP right now, because you probably do not have the strength and stamina to put up with it for as long as he did. Mm -hmm. All right. So, uh, there's, Again, there's probably a few other things, but these would probably be four or five real big things I think we learned from this whole experience of Anthony Smith, and we really appreciate him for sharing his experience with a worldwide audience uh, through his interview on ESPN. Uh, I think that's fantastic. It's actually, I think, really good and a really positive thing for uh, for this type of experience to be put out there to the general public. I mean, that's a perfect place, too, a perfect avenue where where his story is reaching people that aren't necessarily in the gun community and the self-defense community uh, so so much. You know, we're Hopefully that prompts people hearing a story to go, huh, am I prepared to deal with a situation like that? Hmm, probably not. Okay, what can I do to prepare myself, my household, my family to deal with a situation like that? So I, I really appreciate him for sharing his story. Final comments from Matthew.
1: No, I, I think you you nailed it. I can't really add much. Just uh, I, I, you know, I, I just want to echo the the fact that like people listening say, you know, we all are kind of speaking to the choir, right? Like right now, but the people that need this need to hear something like this. Share the share the video or the the interview with him, and, and maybe our analysis if they they have any interest. Maybe people that aren't you know, typically around guns. Right. And, and, and hopefully they're thinking, well, if this guy, uh, this guy with his skills finds it necessary to have a gun and and thinks it's, it's important enough uh, for, to protect his family, then, you know, why, why do I keep a can of wasp spray next to my house, uh, next to my bedside and think that that's going to, you know what I mean? Like maybe it'll, it'll help them to kind of rethink their security and their, uh, the way they defend themselves and their families. Yep.
0: Good wrap up, Matthew. So, guys, uh, again, uh, if, you know, I, I I would highly encourage you to go watch this YouTube interview with Anthony, hear his story firsthand yourself, uh, think about how you apply it to yourselves, your families, and your houses, and, or apartments, or wherever it is you you live. And you know, the 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 thing that ultimately come out of this is that we all are a little bit smarter, a little bit better, a little bit more prepared in case this sort of thing were to happen to any one of us, which you know what your turn could be next. You never know when that time and that day will be a reminder to uh, check out our complete home defense video training course. Uh, This is a eight hour massive endeavor that we put together uh, to hopefully help prepare people for this very thing. So go to concealed carry.com forward slash CHD and pick up either online copy or virtual or that would be virtual or an actual hard copy, a three DVD set or both. Check it out concealed forward slash CHD. So with that, we better get on out of here. And so we'll leave you with our final words. Even our now famous slogan train, right? Train often and train safe. So you can fight hard, fight fast and fight true. Take care.